Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive industry and its supporting ecosystem and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, come on, you already know you're in the right place. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. Okay, we're looking at connected cars. Here's a quote from Iona Sima, who wrote an interesting blog recently on digitalistmag.com at SAP. Here's the quote. By 2020, there will be 250 million IoT, that's Internet of Things connected cars on the world streets, and we know already that there are a lot. We're probably almost there because it's already mm, two months into 2018. So what does this mean? Vehicle connectivity will have a massive and positive effect in our communities, our environment, and the quality of life, and most of that is a really good thing. But what's happening in the industry? Where is the young talent? Where are the minds that are going to embrace innovation, bring new energy, bring new new pop to what's happening into this industry? We have two guests today talking about the lack of young talent in the industry, and I prefer to flip that around and say, the opportunities for young talent. And I'm going to put a quote around the word young, quote marks, because young could mean new and fresh out of college, but lots of people are going to college today at different age ranges. So it might not mean demographically young. I'm just going to leave that as my disclaimer. Uh, first up, I'm going to welcome back one of our favorite industry analysts in the automotive sector. It's Joe Barkai, and joining him today, a newcomer to Game Changers, I think it's Michael Dietz, automotive product manager at SAP. So Joe has sent us an opening quote from William Pollard, uh, who was a physicist and an Episcopal priest, lived from 1911 to 1989, and here is the quote. Without change, there is no innovation, creativity, or incentive for improvement. Oh my, Joe, that sounds like something needs to go up on a wall somewhere. How are you, Joe Barkai? I'm doing well, Bunny, and you? I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Long time no talk. That's an inside yeah. joke. Joe, tell me about, tell me, I'm sorry. We just did well, part one of this a few minutes ago, so we're doing a different format. Go ahead, Joe. What does the quote mean for our topic today? Well, I like this quotation because if you read it carefully, it's a bit um, circular. On the one hand, we need change in order to drive innovation, creativity, uh, or, or improve things at the same time. We, we hope that innovation, creativity will cause change. So it's a bit circular. And then to me, it's really indicative of what's happening in the automotive industry today because we are ready for a change. The change is driven by technologies like connected cars and autonomous cars uh, and so on. At the same time, society is, I think, opening up to the idea of robotic cars to some extent, safer cars. The expectations from cars are much greater. So it gives us opportunity to really drive forward innovation in the industry. And I think that one interesting question is, where where this innovation and then push for change will come from will come from the traditional industry from outside mm-hmm. combination of the two that's the question Thank you very much, Joe. And now let's turn to Michael Dietz, our second guest today. And he sent us a quote from Albert Einstein. This is not usually the one we hear from Einstein. So, Michael, thanks for a different one. Life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. I like that. That's why I don't ride a bike anymore. <laughs> Michael, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? And tell me how the quote relates. 
Very good. Thank you. Um, so the, the quote is quite interesting to me because it has two sides of it. The first side is uh, the part to keep balance, you must keep moving, which basically is a, uh, addresses all the people out there in the market that has have to still be innovative and bring new things out in order to address the market and to, to keep up with the market. So uh, if you go back to the topic of connected vehicles, I think in five years nobody will will buy any car that is not that doesn't have any connected feature uh, things like that and this is exactly what I mean with not keeping moving. So if a company decides to not keep moving and not stay with that pace of the market, then they might be out in five years something like that. And that's the first yeah. part of it. So you always need mm-hmm. to be innovative and be up to date. And the second piece is definitely the, the riding a bicycle part. So I like to ride bicycles, but <laughs> it also has a big uh, overlap with the connected car industry because uh, also in the car, in the, in the bike industry, there is uh, topics like shared bikes. Uh, a lot of things happen in a lot of big cities. There's things like electrification of bikes. So that is a big trend. And there's Whoa. also the topic of connected bicycles. So that's a perfect... I would say a pattern that we can move over also to the car space and then we see what is going to happen there. Thank you very, very much. Very interesting. Yes, um, I have ridden a bike for a long time, and I tried a few years ago. And on the very shaky streets of Queens, New York, Joe may know where I'm talking about, and, and with with, with the, the asphalt going up and down and trees intercepting the sidewalk, it was not a pleasant experience. So I said to my friend, put the bike away. I'll just walk home. That's fine. So there we go. So Joe Barkai and Michael Dietz, I want to know two quick, interesting personal questions. Where are you calling from, or where are we reaching you today? And what's in your cup today. Joe Barkai, talk to me. So I'm calling outside of, uh, from a suburb of Boston from my home office. Um, uh, and for this show today, I have two cups. One of them is not on, well, had fits coffee, but I think it's pretty much gone. And another clear, uh, another container, kind of glass container of clear water. That's the, <laughs> the extent of my creative drinking today. Is that the chaser? <laughs> okay, we'll leave that one alone. Yeah, it's coffee with a side of water. No, the water goes in the coffee, Joe. Michael Dietz, where are you today? And what's your favorite drink that powers you up to do a show like this, Michael? Yeah, perfect. So I'm calling from the, the country of cars, so basically Germany. And I'm sitting in the headquarters of Waldorf, uh, of, of SAP, which is in Waldorf. And which is not, which is a little town, but not far away from Stuttgart and on the other hand, side Munich, which are basically the two capitals of automotive in Germany. And uh, in my cup, there is a, a good coffee that I made by myself with my new French press. And I like uh, now getting hands on and getting really um, brewing, brewing coffee on my own. And uh, French press is a good choice in that case. Thank you. That sounds delicious. And Joe knows me, Michael, you don't, but they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. And this is not even a double header. It's a triple header today. Two shows in one hour and then another show an hour from now. So it's cool, clear water, and the fog is finally lifting here. You, in Durham, North Carolina, where I moved recently, they say, if you don't like the weather, wait 20 minutes. And that's true. Three weeks ago, eight inches of snow. I shoveled, being a New Yorker who knows the rules of keeping the sidewalk clear. 48 hours, all the snow melted. Poof! What can I say? So let's dive into our topic today. We're talking about the massive changes in automotive, and now we're looking at the workforce. Joe, let me read a little bit from your notes here, and then we'll dive in and have you and Michael go around the table. You say the automotive industry we've known for over a century is undergoing a massive change. We'll get into the changes in a second, but I want to focus on, Joe, you say these result in new workforce dynamics. Not enough young Silicon Valley types are joining the automotive sector directly. Directly. 
Joe, why? How can this be changed? Is it important to change it? I don't usually ask questions, but I really want to know. And when you say young, we need to define that, Joe Barkai. Go ahead, Joe. Right. Yeah, well, it's, it's a very loaded, multifaceted question. So um, the, 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 most of the innovation in cars today, uh, whether it's inside the vehicle itself or outside of the vehicle, uh, in terms of the ecosystem and connected partners and so on, come from software and electronics. And these are not traditional strengths of car makers. Uh, and we don't, we don't want to spend too much time pointing in, in some major failures of OEMs when they try to go into um, kind of complex software development. At the same time, a lot of the innovation, a lot of the push that we discussed earlier come from outside the traditional industry, primarily Silicon Valley. Um, so there's kind of interesting dynamic where there's interest in, in the automotive industry, in automotive technologies on the part of, uh, let's not give them an age, but people who are not from the, the industry itself, uh, and contrast this with the lack of experience in that particular area on the part of, of the OEMs. But to complete this kind of observation is, first, I really do not want to diminish the, the experience that car makers have. It's certainly not car makers uh, kind of bashing the OEMs, and I'll give you one example where experience mm-hmm. counts so much, and the experience is Tesla. Tesla is still, under a couple of, after a couple of years, still unable to ramp up volume manufacturing because of lack of experience, not because of lack of money, not lack of talent of you know, young engineers. Experience counts a lot. But we, and we discussed this a little bit in the previous segment, we really want to look at uh, development of the entire ecosystem, the entire value chain. We want to bring talents together, come, those that come from the traditional industry and those come from, quote-unquote, Silicon Valley. We want to bring them together. Uh, and I think that we are not quite there yet. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes that I reuse continuously is from William Gibson, the um, science fiction author, who said the, the future is already here, not equally distributed. And I often paraphrase his saying, and in this case I'll say, the talent is there. People with experience and, and desire uh, and drive are there, but they're not necessarily in the right places. So I think that what we want to do is really get them to be equally distributed, if you will. Thank you very much. Great insights. Uh, Michael Dietz, love to get your thoughts on this. Agree or disagree with Joe? You don't have to agree. What do you think, Michael? No, I, I fully agree. I see that there's a lot of experience in the big manufacturers of cars, and they they use that experience, and they that, that's really their their chance that they have today to really leverage that experience. But at the same time, they have to prepare for the next 10 or 20 or 50 years, and that also needs or means that they have to change or adapt new things, and that's always a discussion point. Is experience now good for innovation or not? And I see that experience somehow destroys innovation because it might be that at the end, there's a, a senior executive that takes a decision and has not experience or has not understanding of what shared mobility means at the end and takes a decision that for sure is based on experience but goes maybe in the wrong direction. And what I see as a trend, at least at, at German manufacturers, is that they think about that combination of taking the experience but also being able to be innovative and I see, for example, Volkswagen has created a new sub-company, a spin-off that is called Moya, and they fully concentrate on mobility services. And that's a combination that then works. So you have the experience in your core company, but you have sub-companies that have a certain focus on certain topics that, uh, for example, mobility or also autonomous, that they can really focus on and drive that innovation out of that sub-company. 
That's very, that's interesting. very interesting trend, I it, it, it really is. Joe, thoughts on, on what Michael just added? Yes. Uh, the question, I think, for us and for the car makers is to kind of, if you look at this from um, three, tr- three possible directions or, or tiers, an OEM can do it on their own, and we mm-hmm. seem to think that they don't have the culture or the experience. They can spin off a company, and then the question is, like Volkswagen example, the uh, question is, will the spin-off really come with new innovation, new culture, versus maybe opening up and actually bringing outsiders in a collaborative fashion. And I tend to think a little bit more towards that end. I think that we need to start thinking about platforms, cars platforms and business models as a platform that can allow even an OEM to own the brand, but actually bring total outsiders. And an interesting trend, by the way, along these lines, and it's very, very early, but I'm kind of curious to see where it's going to go, is um, kind of car um, as a platform. There's a company, the name of the company is, I can't think of the name right now. It used to be uh, iOS Cars, but actually, essentially, it's a car that you can build your own. So the car, the, the OEM can, or a label owner can bring, can build their own. Uh, Honda just announced something called the platform. So the whole idea is companies will offer almost Lego blocks, almost, that a huh. new service provider or even a new label can provide um, vehicles to their, to their customers. So think about White label cars. That's a concept that was never, I don't think was tried before. And I'm very curious to see if we are able to adopt this as a concept. Just like televisions, just like, you know, in the good old days of VHS drivers, uh, players, no one built those. There were a few companies in Taiwan building them and everything was white labeled. Are we going to see white label cars? That will be interesting. It's all very interesting. I have a question about the idea of young talent. Uh, Joe and, and Michael, we do a series called Startup Focus with Game Changers, and we often pose the question on that series, how do big companies, big existing, uh, and Jim Davis on a segment recently just talked about the big behemoths. I call the established enterprises the behemoths in their industries if they're still alive and well. How do they innovate? Do they do it inside with incubators? Do they do their own disruption on a measured, scheduled basis, or do they look Look for startups that are outside of them, either swallow up the startups and adopt them and bring them inside, in other words, annex them or, or do a, a merger, or do they engage the startups to say, hey, you've got great ideas, let's sit down and co-innovate, I know that's a very popular term, to bring new ideas in, but we'll keep the companies separate. And then, of course, there's contract work, then there's the gig economy, and then there's just hiring the new, young, innovative people, and I'm using young with quotes around it again, because I don't think we're talking about age here, uh, and bring them in. So what do you see for the big, still-standing automotive giants? Let me ask Michael first. What do you think is the best way for them to do it? Do you have, is, is there a prescribed way that they're going to succeed? Because one of you just said recently, a couple minutes ago, that does experience kill innovation? I think it was Joe. Michael, what are your thoughts on that? Where should it come from? So what I currently see is that um, if you do it, try to do it inside the company and you try to, do, to run some entrepreneurship or something like that, it's always a big challenge of how to bring it to life. Sure, the first part works out fine, so um, thinking about new ideas, bringing these ideas into concepts, but then executing these concepts then again fails in these kind of models. And that's why I see the second two parts as more promising. The first one I, I see more as a spin-off variant so that you really create a sub-company that focuses on this and this. 
So, for example, BMW has created Car2Go, uh, and sorry, Drive Now, which is basically the mobility sub-company, and they can really focus on the topic. And the second topic, for sure, which is very promising, is to find a startup that does something in that space. And I think these, these two ones, the latter two ones, that are the ones that are more promising and more successful. Interesting. Joe Barkai, what do you see? I, there's no recipe, of course, and I'm seeing the entire range, all the way from technology scouts looking for cool innovation that they will be able to bring in mm-hmm. to co-innovation to outsourcing and then buying companies. And we saw some huge acquisitions in this regard. There's no, no recipe. Uh, car, I mean, a company needs to be very open-minded and understand the kind of the tiers of innovation, if you will, in terms of the horizon for um, productizing it, the level of disruption, the ecosystem that is necessary um, to do that. And we think OEMs really, in my mind, the OEMs are very confused, so they're not sure mm. how to respond, so they hedge their bets. So they set up presence in Silicon Valley. They invest in, in ride-sharing applications or, or companies. Um, they set up research centers in other places. They, uh, they have technology scouts. So they are not sure about the direction what we required is a combination of kind of experience and, and, and imagination and openness. And I think I, I don't necessarily knock the experience in some areas. Again, manufacturing would be area where experience counts a lot, but it's really openness and flexibility, which is not a term that you usually use to describe car makers. And I think that what we overall need is more of an open platform approach. We need more uh, open architectures. We need standards. We need an easy way to bring new innovation, whether the innovation is technology innovation, um, whether the uh, innovation is, is a business model like ride-sharing. And we, again, industry has done a very, very poor job in doing that. We cannot even agree on a, on a standard for a connector. I have a picture in one of my kind of stock presentations showing uh, a, a Nissan Leaf driver pulled over, pulling into a, a Tesla charging station, and she looks at the plug and she said, where does this go? because the Tesla plug does not fit the <laughs> Nissan Leaf plug. Uh, I think it's 21st century. We should be able to figure out those things. But, Joe, it sounds like cell phone connectors. Every, every couple yeah, exactly. of iterations, then, they change the damn charger, and you, you have to go through and say, okay, to a visitor, you need, a, you need to borrow a headset for something. Okay, which phone do you have? Which model? Which manufacturer? Let's look at the plug. Where does it go in? Does it go into the little headset dot on the side, or does it go into the charger on the side? I had this recently, and it, we're still struggling with that, absolutely. I have a, a question for both of you. Let me start with Michael. We, we have a couple more minutes here. We talk about bringing in this quote-unquote young, innovative talent. Do they want to be in the automotive industry? What are the incentives? Is it attractive to them? Joe and Michael, uh, on a show about a year ago, we talked about what's happening on the industry manufacturing shop floor of many industries. Well, it's exciting. Foremen, forewomen, whoever you, whatever you call them, the people on the floor help with the processes are working on an iPad. They go home and they say, hey, mom, hey, dad, hey, sister and brother, hey, girlfriend, boyfriend, I have an exciting job. I'm part of this innovative industry. I've got technology in my hands at work just like I do at home. I'm happy and proud to have this job. So are there incentives for these this young talent, uh, Michael, to want to be in automotive? I would think the answer would be an overwhelming yes, but is there anything holding them back, Michael? 
Yeah, so I, I see definitely as yes. Um, it, there, there, is, there is a need or there is uh, some good reasons why you should join an automotive company. Um, the, the downside why not everybody's going to that direction is for sure that, that, are, that have become big companies and with big organizational structures and you don't see the innovation immediately once you look at them, right? And I think that is where today young people think about, hey, what should I do? Should I go to an innovative software company that do, does a lot of stuff? Should I create my own startup or should I go mm-hmm. to a big, big automotive company? And that, in that, in that comparison, they, they sometimes lose. But in general, they are still a very attractive companies. At least in Germany, we have uh, the big automotive players they, and OEMs. They're very interesting. So you get a company car. You, you can change the company car every six months. You get a very good salary. Some of them are situated in the, the nicest cities like Munich or something like that uh, in, in Germany. So... The, the, the package you get is very, very good, and you still work on a very interesting product, which is cars. And I think all the people that join that, they are enthusiastic for cars. And so, yes, I definitely think that is a, still a very interesting industry, um, but it gets harder for them also to get the right talent. Uh-huh. Okay, we got a little bit of a push-me-pull-you here, supply and demand. Joe Barkai, why don't you give me your answer, 60 seconds, and then we're going to go to our predictions round. Joe? Yep. I, I, you know, I see that kind of behavior in Germany and in China, interestingly enough, but not in the States. In the U.S., still working for a 100-year-old company, Detroit, does not have this cachet, does not have the same appeal that Intel or Google or NVIDIA have. And even if a young person, or not necessarily a young person, wants to go into the industry, uh, he or she might opt to go to Qualcomm or, or Google and not to um, one of the car makers. And... You're absolutely right, Bonnie, about manufacturing shop floor. I mean, this is not an area that we have enough um, people of any age going into. We still have a gap we need to close. And as you know, one of my activities in the Society of Automotive Engineers is to drive this change over. And this is why I I created this kind of challenge that we offer a lot of money for young people to come in and compete and show their innovation um, and, and become part of this narrative. Thank you. Joe, quick plug for your book, The Outcome Economy. Tell me in two sentences, what is it about? So I already said it in a different way. I, I'm always looking for the value innovation. So I don't care about how many connected devices there or how many connected cars are going to be there. I care about the business value. So to me, it's all about the outcome that those new models that use connected devices bring. So the book is about the, uh, the, the new economy that can be driven by looking at business models defined by outcomes to the um, to the provider as well as the consumer. So it's again, it's I'm sorry to use such um, technical uh, language, but the the book is trying to answer the question: Who cares? Why is connecting devices important, and to whom? Thank you, Joe. We'll have to leave it at that. It's time for our crystal ball predictions. I have 60 seconds for each of you. Let's start with Michael Dietz. Michael, our newcomer to Game Changers. Michael, look into the crystal ball. Let's go 2025. Everybody seems to be telling me 2020 is way too near. Michael, what will change about the draw and the interest of quote-unquote young talent into the automotive industry? 60 seconds, go. Okay, so I think the OEMs will understand that they need to have these kind of spin-off variants or more attractive parts of the company, and they there will be masses of these. So there might be five companies below that one OEM and another five companies below that OEM, and all these sub-companies, they do very innovative and cool stuff so that they can attract young people and young talents. 
uh, roles like data scientists, UI developers, uh, whatever kind of, but um, we will see something like that coming up in the market. Thank you, Joe Barkai. 60 seconds for you. Go. Yes, um, so I think that the current um, car makers will still be in place. Uh, they're not going to go, I think, anywhere. Um, I don't think that Google and others will build cars. They are too smart to know that they do not want to go into the business. Uh, but as far as the talent, we'll see perhaps better distribution of talent inside and outside of the uh, automotive industry. And I believe, maybe I hope more than believe, that car makers will be much more open uh, in terms of the way they operate, in terms of the internal structure, and will be much more flexible in terms of having um, bigger role uh, in the supply chain uh, and allow new talent coming in from the outside, if this makes sense. In other words, um, change the value chain structure so that uh, people who come from different disciplines, different professions, can be part of the value chain as an integral part of the value chain, not necessarily as outside innovators um, to the, the way it's done today. Thank you, Joe, very much. I want to say shout-out to Joe Barkai, our industry analyst extraordinaire, and Michael Dietz at SAP. This is part two of a, a two-parter within one hour. This is Veet, 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 Fast, Fast, Fast in French, and Jim Davis also at SAP, who was on part one of this. The episodes will be posted as standalone 28-minute episodes. And Uli, this is for you, my dear. Uli wanted to see what we could do in an hour, and I think we did it. Shout-out to Dave, uh, Dave Parrish and Miranda Labate at SAP, and of course to our intrepid engineer, Aaron Keller, who got us through this, and yes, we did it, Aaron, and here's my call to action, fasten your seatbelt, what in the world are you waiting for? By the way, we had so many tweeters during the past hour, I have lost track, so whoever you are, thank you, and I will put your names in Twitter and do a formal shout-out, because we really appreciate when we have a lot of people listening to the live show, so you all rock. So here we go, formally, thank you very much, fasten your seatbelt, what in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. And if you're young and interesting and innovative, or not so young and interesting and innovative, think about joining the automotive industry. They need you. Go out and be a game changer today, just like Joe Barkar, just like Jim Davis, just like Michael Dietz. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. I'll be back in another hour with a new episode of Startup Focus with Game Changers. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.